Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute of medical advice of physicians. You may review the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. Hi everyone, welcome to Bone Talk. I'm Claire Gill, CEO of the Bone Health and Osteoporosis Foundation. Today, I'm delighted to have Mike Mayo with me, a recent contributor to our Bone Talk blog. His article, titled Strength Training to Combat Osteoporosis, goes far beyond the written words, and he's here to share more of his inspiring journey with us. Mike's story in overcoming osteoporosis is a testament to resilience and transformation, offering hope for those seeking a path to stronger bones and a healthier life. I'm thrilled to sit down with him and delve into the many layers of his experience, from his cardiocentric past to the profound shift towards strength training. Mike's story is both relatable and inspiring. In his article, he shared details of his health journey and the aha moments and the comprehensive approach he took towards bone health. Today, we're going to dive a little deeper, explore some of the highs and the lows and the invaluable lessons he's learned along the way. Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Claire, thank you for having me on and for spreading the word about bone health. Claire, I got this statistic from you. Is this right, that the number of bones broken in the U.S. has never been higher? That's absolutely true. We have a crisis in osteoporosis and fractures these days. Well, unfortunately, I've done my part to add that record, uh, but I'm (laughs) happy to explain how I've come from denial, extreme denial, to acceptance and then actually engagement with my condition. You know, it's it's so interesting that you described it that way, Mike, because that's a lot of how people feel. There's sort of like this mourning period when you first get diagnosed with something where you're like, wait, 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 this can't be happening. You know, like those stages of grief. And as you said, you have to work through them to get to a place where you're ready and willing to sort of take it head on. So I'm really, really excited to talk to you about how you've done that, because it truly is an inspiring story. Well, really how I dug myself out of a deep hole that I created for myself too. Well, you know, again, I think some of that, as you have to remember too, is there's some things and risk factors we just can't do anything about with osteoporosis, right? And your family history of it that you had shared with me is one of those. There's really nothing we can do about that. But as you said, there's there are things that we can control. And the fact that you've learned about those and taken action against it is really important. So let's start by talking a little bit about when you were first diagnosed with osteoporosis and how that impacted your sort of thoughts on health and fitness. Well, I first found out in 2019, pre-pandemic, and one word sums up my reaction, denial. I was in complete denial. Look, I checked all the boxes for medical care. So I got really good treatment at the hospital. I took calcium pills. I took more vitamin D. I did all the medical stuff. But Claire, I was really stupid. I did not change my lifestyle. And to put in context my numbers, which I really only appreciated after the fact, I had a 
negative T score of worse than negative three. So in other words, I was more than three standard deviations out from normal. So to put that in more clear context, take a thousand people like me in a room, I'd have the weakest bones out of a thousand people. That's how bad it was. But I kept doing all those things that you shouldn't do. So go to your website, read about what you should not do when you have weak bones. Well, I was downhill skiing on steep slopes still. I went ice skating a few times. I went mountain biking down a ski mountain when I broke 10 bones, eight ribs in a row. You know, think of like a barbecue spare rib platter you get at the restaurant Mm -hmm. and think of them all as broken. That's kind of what happened to me. So denial, the medical care, yes, but lifestyle change, no. Well, again, it takes that holistic approach to it. And sometimes it's really hard to start one or the other. You're really interesting, Mike, in that you went to treatment first and then didn't think about the lifestyle factors. And there's so many people who do the, I'm only going to do the lifestyle factors and I'll think about treatment later, right? So it's, you were kind of the reverse when it comes to that, how people normally do it, but they're both so important. And we tell people all the time that the treatments for osteoporosis are fantastic. They're effective. They work better than statins work to help out with heart attacks, et cetera. However, they don't work as well if you're not doing the nutrition and exercise aspects of it. And that's really where you kind of change things around, really, by taking on that that bigger challenge of, oh, wait, there's things I have to do in that aspect of my lifestyle that I need to change. So you actually went from being fit and doing cardio to powerlifting, which I think is so great. And I I had shared with you that I've heard this from clinicians about patients who started doing regular strength training, which we recommend for everybody, but who got so inspired by it that they ended up going into this kind of powerlifting. So how did you choose strength training as your main focus? And how did you get started? Well, first, I needed to have my aha moment as if breaking all those bones wasn't enough. And I was sent to the endocrinologist. And you know, Claire, I didn't even know what an endocrinologist does. Like, why am I being sent here? What are they doing? I'm sitting in the waiting room. It seemed like 30 or 40 pages. It wasn't that long. But I'm filling out all the boxes. And I get, I think it was page 10. And it asked me how many bones had I broken like the last five or seven years. And it took me a few minutes actually to add up the number. I put down, like I really didn't know, I I put down 15. (laughs) It's actually been more than 15 bones that I'd broken over the, the prior series of years. And actually writing down that number was my aha moment. Like, okay, I accept what I have. I need to change. And so then I started understanding more about what doesn't help osteoporosis or osteopenia for that matter and what does. And I learned a new term, prehab. We all know about I know about rehab. <laughs> I've been I've had a lot of my share of rehab after my, my bone breaks. But preventative care, prehab is really important. And I thought strength training was a a type of insurance for my body. Um, we we get life insurance, we get health insurance, we get car insurance. What about insurance for our own body? So I thought strength training, as you've pointed out on your program, 
mitigates the, de- the decline, the decay of my bones and create more muscle mass to protect them. And I also learned that the average person loses up to half of their muscle mass between the ages of 40 and 80. So let's do some prehab and do some weight training because that would help make me stronger and also replace some of my prior activities. Claire, I spent 40 years of doing serious cardio, Mm -hmm. running long distance, running marathons, spin classes, biking 20, 30, 50, 100 miles. But first, as you know, biking is non-weight bearing. So that's not going to help my situation. And by the way, as it relates to my cardio, my heart is fine. Yep. I'm solving for the wrong problem here. (laughs) And so you have to go based on your own individual situation, at least in my case. So I finally changed my lifestyle. And after 40 years, I moved cardio to my side dish and I moved strength training as my main course. Well, that's a great way of putting it because obviously – We all need cardio too, right? You need to maintain that heart health. So it's great that you're doing both. But as you said, what you needed specifically was really that focusing on on strength training and making it something that you did that you hadn't really focused on before. So I think it's amazing though that you started this new path in life and you start doing strength training and then you just go with it and you really start to get into it, right? And I'm, I'm guessing that, there was some excitement to it as you started doing it. You clearly liked it. So how did you get into like starting that routine and embracing this new powerlifting activities? Well, I'm not a person who pursues half measures. I tend to do full measures. So once I finally decided to pivot, I pivoted uh, seriously. And look, I have gratitude. I had gratitude with over 15 broken bones and all of that. I never needed surgery. So I was extremely lucky, and I did want to make this kind of defeat into victory somehow. And so I went specifically to powerlifting. This doesn't apply to everybody equally, but the movements do. Powerlifting is is strength training, but it's three specific events. It's squat, and for those who haven't squatted, most people have not. Think of that as sitting down and standing up. Pretty basic stuff, but stuff that you would like to do for the rest of your life. Second is deadlift. That's you lift a barbell up off the floor and think of picking up your kids or your grandkids. And the third event is bench press, which we've all seen. So it big zigs and zags in terms of my progress. I I went a little too aggressive at the start. <laughs> surprise, surprise. I, I pushed too hard. I strained a muscle. I mean, it's so important to have proper form yeah. and then you can go up in reps and then you can go up in weight, but you start without any uh, weights at all. Right. You can start with air squats. That's a really good exercise, as I've discovered. Then I had a good setback, though. I call that a bad setback. A good setback is I wanted to mark my progress. So I actually entered a weightlifting competition. Here I am, a skinny ex-cross-country runner, ex-marathoner, weightlifting. And it was just like, wow, this is talk about getting out of my comfort zone. So two years ago, I entered my first competition with USA Powerlifting Association. And I must have told over a hundred friends and family. I was so excited. I was also so nervous. And the result was a debacle. It's three events. And my first event, I missed all three attempts. So I got disqualified. <laughs> That's all right. You tried. And you know what? I found out that nobody cares. I cared. 
I was so embarrassed. They just were like, oh, congratulations for competing. And by the end, I actually felt like, okay, that was a good experience. I learned from it. And I was reminded, you know, it's okay to fail. It's okay to take risks. So long as the harm is contained. I, I, and dealing with my own family members, I come, a lot of people have osteoporosis in my older generations, my family. And getting them to do something new is, is hard. But take that chance, a controlled chance, and then make progress. So that, I realized that. And fast forward. Uh, this past September, after participating in a few events, I went to the National Powerlifting Championships, USA Powerlifting Championships in Memphis, Tennessee, where I took second place, the silver medal, in my master's category. Awesome. So, hooray, that was like, that's huge. For me, personally, it's the same as if I had climbed Mount Everest. That was such a thrill and that compares to any other athletic event I've done. Well, but that's so great. I mean, and again, like you said, sort of looking at that, you don't become expert at anything the first time out, right? You know, you, you trying things. And I think sometimes that's our approach to exercise or just healthy, getting healthy, you know, healthier is that we want those immediate results. We think we should be there, you know, right away. And that's not how it happens. But if you're consistent and you build on it, then there can be some really substantial results. And you've, you've definitely shown that. And it's fantastic that you won second place at the Nationals just after kind of taking this on not so long ago. But like, as you said, it's different for everybody, right? That was your motivation. That's what kind of gets you there. And, you know, you had shared with me before about some, you know, a member of your family where who you just started getting a little bit more active in doing, like you said, squats, like working out a little bit. What advice do you have for people, again, who may not want to go to powerlifting, but just sort of the getting started in that that movement in the, the squats, and as you said, with no weights and stuff like that, what was your motivation to sort of get into that mindset? Because I think that's often what some people have when they're worried about, oh my God, I've fallen and fractured, now I can't move. Right? How do you break from the, I can't move, to, oh, I can do this a little bit? Well, when my, my father get, lived a good long life to his 90s, uh, he died last year. Uh, he worked up to like 30 to 40 hours a week at Cape Canaveral Hospital until he was 90, right, right to the very, literally the very end. He broke his hip at age 80. Wow. So I went down, I live in New York City, so I went down to Cape Canaveral uh, after he broke his hip. And I said, Pop, this is like a running a marathon, or this is your big event. This is, It's a physical challenge. Mm -hmm. And if you can do this for me, that would be great. And I would love to see you back at the hospital volunteering. So he had the will yeah. to go ahead and get better. And so I think understanding the purpose of why you're doing this. Do you want your last decade to be what some call the marginal decade where you you have tr trouble getting off the toilet seat. You need help. You know, you, these are all things that we yeah. hear or stuff. Or do you want to thrive like my father did until you know, his 90s and work and be engaged and be mobile and take walks on the beach and stuff? So I think it starts with the purpose or the will. And then where there is a will, there's a way. And I have to say, I never really fully understood the importance of strength training for that lifelong mobility. So I think that more than anything else as it relates to me and my family members is the, the most important advice. And it's 
I deal with it with myself. And since it's, I have a family history of this, yep. you know, I have to make sure other family members know, and then aging parents and relatives. So make sure they understand that will is more important than anything else. I have more specific things that I've done. I'm happy to share. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to talk about that, but I really, I really love that about having that purpose. And I think that continues across all spectrums of that healthy living, right? Why do we want to do this? One of our former member members talks about, you know, she's exercising now for that 80 year old that she wants to be. And so it's beyond just the, you know, well, I want to see immediate results. I want to look good that it's, you know, it's taken over that. Yeah, that's nice. It's a you know nice side effect kind of thing of, of happening. But like I said, she's really building it for the, that person she wants to be. Yeah. And I think there's something, the idea of they want, somebody wants to look good. For me, I think it's more important that somebody looks healthy. So true. And I think if we could change that mindset, and I'll tell you, at the USA Powerlifting Championships in Memphis, there were hundreds of women competing, hundreds of men, 60s, 70s. It was incredible. I think the common denominator for everybody is they looked healthy. And I think that's what, that's great. something that we can kind of strive for. You're absolutely right. You know, changing that dynamic of what's healthy really depends on the person, what's healthy for you. And so getting to doing whatever it is that makes you healthy, both about how you feel and how you look, whatever it is, is such a great motivating factor. So we talked a little bit about, you know, you started with treatment and then moved into, you know, strength training, which you haven't considered. What other kinds of things have you done lifestyle wise to sort of make this kind of a comprehensive area? For a focus for you. Well, before I go into that, I'd have to say, you know, medical care. There's nothing more important than that. So, if you have to drive or travel to get the proper medical care and find the right person, that's far most the, the most important step. Having said that, I have learned that exercise, uh, strength training, can magnify the exacerbate, make better the medical benefits. And there's, I guess, I was told there's a lot of studies about that. And so. I do, living in New York City, I do walk a lot more now. I go for my your cliche 10,000 steps a day. I walk through Central Park. I take the subway all the time now. Sometimes I'll walk to work and, and back. And so I'm making that more part of my life. And it's, it sounds crazy. I discovered Eureka walking. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we're all discovering that, right? Like they, There's only recently that all these studies have come out to say, Walking is one of the best exercises, so you're not alone. You know, Eureka, I'm not, I was so excited to walk more. It's like, okay, I'll go to Stockholm, shine my shoes, and wait for the Nobel Prize. No, not not really. This is not new. <laughs> but also walking through woods and if by trees. That's why New York having Central Park or driving away. We'll drive away an hour for the day. And I know you're from New York, so lots, yeah. lots of places to, to hike around here. So that's one thing. I'd say... Nutrition is certainly key. By the way, just when I broke a bone, this is like 15 years ago, from, and I I broke my wrist from a very small fall. That should have been a sign. And the surgeon asked me if I smoked. Hmm. And that should have been a sign because smoking is really bad for your bones, I learned, and I've not smoked. It's genetic more than anything for me. But so I don't smoke. I don't do much alcohol. When I was young, I certainly did. But I eat a lot more protein. And so that's a big change. And I'll, I'll have two protein shakes a day. 
I'll double up on my my chicken and my healthy foods. And I try to have a balanced diet. And along with the calcium pills and vitamin D and the, the typical stuff that people would have. And then sleep. I do try to get more sleep. I know you had a podcast on that. Frankly, Claire, if you could do a podcast, like, okay, I want to have more sleep. How do I actually do that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I know. I, if you, if those of you who listened to the podcast, you heard me saying to the, to the doctor that I was interviewing, okay, I do everything wrong on your list. And I know it. And yet I still do everything wrong. Yeah. But to help me sleep, I, somebody told me if I, when I wake up, if I go outside and get exposed to sunlight early, that will help your sleep. Certainly the exercise and walking outside during the day helps my sleep. Yeah. Stopping the screen time, you know, after 9 p.m. helps your sleep. So there's little things. So I'd say, you know, medical care, exercise, nutrition, and sleep. And of course, uh, the lifestyle changes. Stop the stupid stuff. A lot of us have a glitch in our system. I talk to my friends and we still think we're half our age or, or I've never felt like this before. Well, I've never been this age before. Okay. So it's part of me accepting and engaging with my age where it is. Yeah. And that's a hard thing for all of us to do, right? I remember asking my mom in her late eighties, you know, so I know how I feel, you know, at this age and it's certainly not the age I am. And so what, you know, what? How old do you feel, you know, and she's in her 80s and she said the same thing. She goes, my early 20s. She's like, I just feel like I'm, I've always been in that age. And I think that's different for everybody. And that's fine. And we should feel that way and be able to do that. But like you said, just mitigate the risks of what we're trying to do and being helpful about it and being smart about it. I'm curious though. Mike, you're so like self-motivated, you know, like to be able to like, oh, I'm going to do this and I'm going to read more about this. I'm going to find this out. What kind of tools or resources did you go to to say, like I said, learning more about, oh, I'm going to get into powerlifting and how to do it right? Did you join a gym specific to powerlifting? Like, how did that come about? Yeah, again, it's more about strength training, I think, as I learned for myself. But those three, if you had to do like two exercises, squatting and deadlifting might be the two most important you could do for functional movements. So The key was finding a good gym, and you can find a lot of tools online. Yeah. But JDI Barbell is in Harlem, and they're also in Tribeca. And I just did my research and I found a coach Mm -hmm. who can help me out. And I'll go there and I have a program. I know exactly what I'm doing four days a week for a month, and then I get a new program. And I'll go there in person when I have something new or something I don't understand. Otherwise, I'll do this on my own. So it's that's probably the most important thing is finding someone who's knowledgeable you can trust, who can give you a program as opposed to simply wandering in the gym not knowing what you're doing. And yeah, I mentioned my uh, in the the blog uh, article I mentioned my my mother-in-law uh, who I'm so proud of. Uh, she's in her early 80s, never really engaged with exercise before, started with air squats, now it's using weights. And I'm telling you, she is just more mobile than I've seen her in, in years. It's so important that, again, you, you, again, under the watchful eye of like, you know, again, making sure that you're checking in with people and that they know that you're doing it, you're doing it safely. But that confidence that you get when you start doing it and realizing you can do it. 
and the functional aspect, as you said, right? These things that we should all do. You don't need to do it if to power lift, just to power lift, right? It's important for everything we do that we do these kinds of exercises because that's what keeps us moving. I think the reaction I get is you weight lift, you power lift at your age. Because so many people have done that at age 20 or 30. But in some ways, at least for me, it's more important now that I'm 60 than when I was 20. That's absolutely true. And as I said, as we've been talking about this, and that's why I loved when you shared your story, so many of the clinicians that we speak to say they're having more and more patients in their 60s, 70s, and even 80s who took this up. And again, to the best of their abilities, whatever they were, they may not be setting out to win the national awards that you did at the championships, but just again, for their own functionality, they've taken up these things. So it's never too late or too early to start taking care of your bones and focusing on this as long as you're doing it under supervised care for that. So You've gone through that journey of, like you talked about, you get diagnosed with a chronic disease, there's this denial and fear. What advice do you have for those people who are newly diagnosed or you know recently diagnosed about how to be proactive about taking care of themselves and making those lifestyle changes? Well, the advice is that there are, for me, I'm not an expert, I can only speak for myself, but for me... What a great feeling. And I'm an outlier for the extreme that I had, osteoporosis, and for the improvement through medical care. And I think strength training and everything else contributed to that. My uh, bone density has improved by about 20%. That's amazing. I no longer have osteoporosis, which is great. Now, my bones are still not <laughs> normal, but I'm no longer one out of a, a thousand, okay? I'm probably more like one out of 20 in terms of yeah. that. That's like yeah. one to two orders of magnitude improvement. And I'm in the second half of my life and I'm setting personal records for how much I weight lift. I mean, so that's just mentally just a great feeling. It's also a great feeling that I can take over more control of my life, right? So mm-hmm. control the controllables, at least I'm doing what I can. and. That by itself is a good feeling as opposed to the world is happening to me. At least I'm controlling what I can control. And the advice goes back to my father in his last years of life and that you can start at any age. Sometimes in his case, he started doing more with weights after he broke his hip Mm -hmm. or other family members. But, you know, I think it's just a matter of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, the advice for me was I need to get out of my comfort zone. I'm doing things that I've never done before. This is making me incredibly nervous. You know, I, as part of a Wall Street analyst, I go on CNBC and I go on Bloomberg and I go on TV and that that's fine. But doing this, oh my, I... <laughs> Oh boy, it's just, it's crazy, and it, but it's that way for anyone who first breaks their hip and they have to go to rehab because I've seen that with my my parents, and so I think it's just that you're not alone. So you have family, you have other people. You can get someone at a gym. You can if you're at a senior care center if you have a doctor. So just make sure you're not alone because you know I could say I was a complete idiot. In fact, I in the blog post I say this is like osteoporosis for dummies. 
because I didn't know all the signs were there with my family, with my breaks of bones in the double digits, with kind of so much. And finally, I accepted it and I went out of my comfort zone as a means to at least control what I could control. Well, first of all, you're not an idiot because we're not told, you know, along the our lifespan, how important bone health is. And that's unfortunate. And that's what we're trying to do something about for sure. And that's what you're helping us do. The idea of helping to educate people about the importance of bone health and that we don't have to feel bad when it happens to us, because as you said, you're not alone. There's a lot of people. It's just not something that we're taught the way we are about our heart health and our brain health. And so we're kind of doing a little catch up. And so I appreciate that you think like, oh, I should have known this. And, you know, it, but again, so many of us don't. And that's just the way it is in our country and around the world. But we're changing that. We're changing that together. So you sharing your story about your journey and again, just how positive it is. The idea, again, that with medical treatment and with lifestyle changes, you can go from being severely osteoporotic and having lots of fractures back to where you stopped that downward slide and actually built back some bone density. And that's where you want to stay, right? Like you said, you'll never have the perfect bones again, maybe. But the fact that you're not continuing to slide and get more fragile is really, really important. And I think that's a lesson for all of us is that if we do those things that we know are good for us, the healthy diet and the weight bearing and muscle strengthening exercise, we can actually protect our bones no matter what our age. So I, I just love that you're willing to share this and talk about your journey and your experience. Yeah. So you had asked me for three concluding things specific. And so on that note, three things I remind myself. Number one is first, do no harm. So as you engage in these strength training, whether it's powerlifting or some other form, don't hurt yourself. All right. It's so many people do. And I go to several gyms and you hear stories and everyone says, oh, that was so stupid. Mm -hmm. No, plan on not doing something stupid. All right. So first, do no harm. Second, progress over perfection. So I've had some really bad days and it's a rookie move and I still do the rookie move. You go do your strength workout and you go, well, I just didn't feel good today. I don't know. This is terrible. No, pull the lens back. And are you making progress? And if so, don't look for perfection. Don't let perfection be the enemy of progress. And third, it's a journey and not a destination. And so while I do my powerlifting meets to mark my progress, and we can measure how many times we walk upstairs or lift a weight or something, the, the journey is literally through the rest of our life. That's, right. That's the goal here. And so those are three things I remind myself. Well, those are fantastic things to remind yourself and everyone else about it. So again, Mike, thank you so much for joining me on Bone Talk. It really was great to talk more about your journey and your experience. And I know that you'll be an inspiration for others to do this. So we'll have links associated with this talk on bonetalk.org and uh, for more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life please visit us at bonehealthandosteoporosis.org. 
If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please do two things. Subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode, and please share it with your family and friends. This really is an inspirational story, and I think there's so many lives that can be touched just from hearing somebody, someone who is in the same journey as you and who is you know, making leaps and bounds to improve their health and overall well-being. So thanks again for being here, everybody, and thank you again, Mike, for joining me. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Claire. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the bone health and osteoporosis foundations podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel BHOF's mission with financial support, visit bonehealthandosteoporosis.org.